Hello again, everybody, and welcome back to another edition of Political Beats, the podcast where we talk with people in politics, around politics, covering politics, eh, but nothing about politics at all. We talk about favorite bands, the favorite music uh, of those, and, and, and why you might want to love them, too. That's the end goal. We want to uh, appreciate the music just a little bit more. This is a presentation of National Review. Subscribe to our feed for new episodes on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, or nationalreview.com. Click on Podcasts in that upper corner, and you'll see all of our new episodes and all of our old episodes as well. This is episode number 14, and we've got a nice nice back catalog there as well. Uh, My name is Scott Bertram. You can find me on Twitter at Scott Bertram. And my partner, my tag team partner, as always standing by, is Jeff Blair. Jeff! Yes, yeah, Scott. Well, which Ryan Adams album does anybody want to take me home off of? Love is Hell? No, 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 no. Rock and Roll. No, no. It's 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 Love is Hell. Nope. I looked. It's on Rock and Roll because it was taken from Love is Hell when they re-recorded it. But it's the fourth song. It's the fourth song on Love is Hell. But it's on Rock and Roll because Rock and Roll is a collection of random songs he recorded in a week plus that one. I don't think it's on Love is Hell, man. I, I'll have to check. That's your five bucks. <laughs> I'll take that bet. All right. And a one, and a two, and a one, two, three. Uh, at Esoteric CD is where to find <laughs> Jeff on Twitter. And uh, we welcome in our guest this week, who is stopping by to talk a little music. Uh, you can find him on Twitter at Nick Confessori. He's a reporter for the New York Times, a writer at large for the New York Times Magazine, and also an MSNBC contributor. As you might have guessed from his Twitter handle, he is Nick Confessori. Nick, how are you? Hey, I'm great, Scott. How are you? Doing well, thank you very much. Appreciate you taking some time to join us here on the podcast, Political Beats. We'll get to our artist in a second, but first, uh, we always ask our guest first to uh, describe what is your political beat? What's your job? How do you exist in the ecosystem? Well, I'm a politics investigative reporter for the New York Times, and I write for the Times Magazine, uh, and I cover Washington from New York which is probably even worse than covering the country from Washington. Um, And mostly I write about uh, institutions, power, uh, politics, and regulation, and money, and I try to stir all those together into into good stories, and I get to do a lot of that at the time, which is kind of a dream job. And you can read uh, Nick's stuff again at New York Times, at the New York Times, and uh, over at the New York Times Magazine. And uh, today we welcome in Nick to discuss um, one of the most prolific artists of the past, uh, well, heck, at this point, past 20 years in music. He is loved by some. He is hated by others. He hates others, uh, in fact, sometimes. He is Mr. Ryan Adams. I don't always tell my origin stories, uh, but I, I want to do a quick one here because it's, uh, it's kind of a neat day. It's back in 2000, and I was already aware of, of Whiskey Town. And uh, my roommates and I, my college roommates and I, were headed to downtown Chicago from, from the suburbs because there was a tryout for who wants to be a millionaire. And we thought, we, we want to be millionaires. So we were headed downtown for the tryouts, but one of us was, was late getting off of work, and there were two sessions downtown. And we missed the first session, so we had all this time to kill in downtown Chicago. I was like, what the heck are we going to do? There's a million things to do. We walked down to the Virgin Megastore, and who's appearing at the Virgin Megastore that afternoon? Ryan Adams, in support of his brand new solo uh, disc, Heartbreaker. So we went across the street to California Pizza Kitchen. We came back to the Virgin Megastore, going up the escalator for the concert. And who's behind us on the escalator but this uh, shaggy guy with a jean jacket and sunglasses in the middle of the day. 
uh, it was, in fact, Ryan Adams. He comes out, does uh, four or five songs. I recall distinctly uh, he did Amy from Heartbreaker. I go to the places where we used to, I feel sad. I am out here looking for you. Sometimes I pretend. Oh, I miss you all. When you laid me down into your beautiful garden, flowers in the love of mine. I walk out of there with a copy of Heartbreaker and a copy of the uh, the Bloodshot Records five year anniversary uh, uh, compilation, Down to the Promised Land. Both fantastic uh, albums. And that's my introduction to uh, to Ryan Adams, the solo artist, and he truly is one of my favorite artists going today. We turn the floor over to Nick Confessor. He is the he made the choice today to focus on Ryan Adams. Nick, tell us uh, tell us about Ryan Adams for you. What drew him? Uh, what drew you to his music? Why do you love him? Why should others care? You know, it's funny. At the time I discovered Ryan, um, you know, I was really into guitar-driven <clears throat> hard rock. And I would have said uh, my favorite bands were Weezer and Foo Fighters and Fugazi and post-punk bands uh, like uh, Quicksand. Uh, And I wasn't into country, and um, I didn't listen to much classic rock. Um, And what happened was I was over at a friend's house, Josh Green, who now works for Bloomberg. Mm -hmm. And he and I were poor and underpaid slaves of the Washington Monthly together. Uh, we would hang out and drink beer and, and play records. And one day I went to his house and I went through a bunch of his CDs. This was back when we had CDs. Um, and he's like, look, you have to listen to Ryan Adams. So Josh introduced me to Ryan. Uh, and at the time, it was kind of a revelation that I would love this kind of music, this mixture of uh, rock and country and to some extent some blues and bluegrass. Uh, and, you know, at the time as well, like a lot of reporters, I'm also an amateur musician. You can find, you know, guitar players in the press corps. You just kind of wave a stick around. <laughs> and uh, I had been in bands in college and after college, and I was finding that it was hard to actually have a band and have a job at the same time. Um, and you can't really play a Foo Fighters song by yourself, um, you know, very easily. So, <laughs> uh, And so I was looking for music that I could kind of play uh, and sing and have as my own and kind of hang out uh, with an acoustic guitar. Uh, And it turned out that this guy, Ryan Adams, was sort of in my range uh, as a singer. I'm not a great singer, by the way. Uh, And his guitar playing was kind of fascinating to me uh, and had a lot of variety. And so I kind of got really hooked on the album Heartbreaker, which was his first solo album uh, or his first released solo album. Uh, (laughs) And here was this weird... This was kind of, you know, not weird. It was just this fascinating combination of genres that I liked. Uh, it was very guitar-driven. Uh, it was it was also singer-songwriter. Um, it felt pretty band-driven in a way, even though he's kind of an auteur. Uh, and I think it was around the time that uh, Gold was coming out. Mm-hmm. Um, but I kind of got hooked on Heartbreaker first, and so I basically learned to play all of Heartbreaker, and I would sit around... Uh, you know, in my off hours and just play guitar and sing Ryan Adams songs. And that's kind of how I got hooked. And then from then on, everything you put out pretty much, I would buy. Uh, and later on, uh, my best college friend and I also became a, a Ryan fan. Uh, and he and I play guitar a lot together. And we've been doing it since college. And now he and I will get together and just play Ryan Adams songs. 
It's not a bad way to spend your time, not actually. At all. I, I, yeah. For me, uh, I got into him, I think we're all kind of roughly on the same timeline here. Uh, I was uh, about 2001. It was actually Remember It Well, sadly, because it, it's so staked to a specific time and place for me. It was right after 9-11. Um, you know, obviously, uh, whole nation's been traumatized by this. I certainly was, uh, especially given what it was I was doing at the time. And um, I just, you know, I had never been a country rock fan. I was a rock maven even then, a big music, muso head. Uh, a friend of mine, a girl I knew, uh, came to me. This is uh, 9-11 happened. My birthday was on 9-17, uh, so nobody really cared about my 21st birthday for obvious reasons. And uh, then I think a week later, uh, uh, she came to me with a sort of belated birthday gift. She said, Jeff, I want you to have this. Uh, I know you're not a country rock fan, uh, but this guy's really great. I think you get a lot out of this. And uh, what did she do? She handed me a copy of Gold. It was like the first week it had been released or something like that. It had just come out. And I was like, well, okay, you know, anything to, you know, anything for a change of pace, especially right now. And the first song on that album, it's the first thing I put on, and it was uh, New York, New York. Uh, still one of my favorite Ryan Adams songs. Still one of my favorite songs in a lot of ways of you know that entire era, and I just remember it so well because it was. Uh, I don't know how else to put it except to say that it was exactly the song that I needed to hear right then and right there. Found myself a picture that would fit in the folds in my wallet and it stayed pretty good. Still amazed that isn't losing all the loop of the place when I was drunk and I was thinking of you. Every day the children they were singing the tunes out on the streets and you could hear from inside. You used to take the subway on the house. I would wait for you and not try to hide Love won't play any games with you Anymore if you don't want them to World won't wait Watch you shake But honey, I don't blame you Hell, I still love you, New York Hell, I still love you song that was you know, obviously not written about you know anything that had happened in the world up until that point it's a love song it's about you know i'm breaking up with this girl i'm leaving town but hey I, hell i still love you new york but it had that positive that optimism that buoyancy um and it's just a well-written song and i always admired the craft of songwriting and this is a song that clearly had it that was poppy and it was you know obviously geared towards being a radio hit which it was but it was still well-written and really funny and had a lot of humor and a lot of heart to it. And I was like, all right, I'm in, I'm sold. Now it's funny, I go back now and I look at Golden and I don't think it rates as highly as a lot of his other albums, but I still loved him for that album. I went back, I got Heartbreaker. Of course I was bold over by that and then you know just like nick i was sort of invested i was like gonna you know buy in and he kept on releasing albums i think there was one year where he released like 16 of them i kept on getting everything that he put out i don't have all the bootlegs but i i have a, a pretty hearty ryan adams collection because he got me at a time where i really needed to hear something that raised my spirits and it did it in a wonderful way and i have such respect for him not only as a musician as, as a diverse musician uh, he comes out of country rock, but obviously he's you know his secret love is really British post punk, and he's got all those sounds. And he's basically you know, sometimes he, you think he wants to be Johnny Marr, you know he wants to be yes. you know the Smiths, which is ironic. We just did the Smiths a week before, which is why it's so appropriate that we open you know with a guy <laughs> whose discography begins with an argument about Morrissey, um, and uh, he has that strain running thing with stuff. 
And he's also intensely self-aware. And this is, I think, the theme that comes up over and over again with Ryan Adams, as we'll see. He's intensely self-aware of the sort of rock pantheon, the greatest classic rockers, the hits, you know, Bob Dylan, Neil Young, um, the Smiths, uh, all these post-punk acts that you can hear him sounding like. Even the current scene, obviously, his sort of romance with the Strokes has become well-documented in recent years. Uh, you know, he's almost self-conscious about it, which means that at times he gets criticized for seeming like he's putting on masks and like trying on different styles and just becoming kind of like a, a style poser. But underneath it all, always, there is a core, a core writer and a core talent that is Ryan Adams alone. He has a style. He has a way of writing. He has a way of communicating. He has a way of writing lyrics, too, that is really, you know, sui generis. It, it is his and his alone, and he didn't take it from anybody else. And uh, that sticks has stuck with him throughout his entire career, and that's what makes him still worth following right up into the present day, in my opinion. We have uh, probably... To put out a, we have to put a caveat here as we start the discussion in that Ryan Adams is such a prolific uh, writer, recorder, and, and publisher of music, it is impossible to dig into every corner we might like to in the time that we have available. So, we'll so we're going to devote 20 minutes to Orion. I think we have to spend most of the time focusing on that. Um, we, we, 20 seconds might be more appropriate. Uh, but we're going to have to hustle through some parts, and, and it might be your favorites, and we apologize in advance. To that end, we have to hustle through his Whiskey Town years to get to his solo years, and I'll try to tell you about Whiskey Town in 60 seconds. So it's Ryan Adams' first band, and what you might need to know about it is kind of in the lyrics to Faithless Street, the title or the uh, title track from the first Whiskey Town album, which is I started this band because punk rock was too hard to sing. That's a lot of what Whiskey Town was, right? Uh, the first album is is a is a pretty good first effort, um, but it is a first effort, and, and they'd get better couple of things. Uh, his vocals on that first album sound a lot like, lot like Jay Farrar uh, from Uncle Tupelo and, of course, from Sunvolt Success, too. Uh, Caitlin Carey was in the band. Phil Wanger was in the band. He would later go on to play for a really neat uh, band called Jesse Sykes and the Sweet Hereafter. Uh, but uh, Wanger would leave, and there would be rotating uh, uh, band members. Their second album, Stranger's Almanac, I, I, is their best. It might be the second best album Ryan Adams has been involved with, either as a, you know, a solo act or in a group. So many really great songs on Stranger's Almanac. Excuse me while I break my own heart tonight with Alejandro Escovedo providing some vocals. Everything I Do is fantastic. Yesterday's News is a replacement, not a ripoff, but homage kind of song. Losering tells a great story using about 12 words uh, in the whole song. Stranger's Almanac is really good. And then the third Whiskey Town album is Pneumonia, which was on the shelf for a couple of years after labels were bought and sold. It got this reputation of being a lost great album. It's kind of half true. It, it, it's a very good album. It's 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 a step forward from Strangers Almanac and some of the sounds and and experimentation uh, that's on Pneumonia. Some excellent songs. Jacksonville Skyline is so good. It's recorded in the way you can hear the fingers moving down the strings in the guitar, which I love. Banks of the river run through my hometown. Boy around the dirt roads and I scrape my knees. Well, they paved the roads eventually With neon signs and car dealerships and diners Soldiers filled the hotels on the weekend Sit and listen to the rain. It's fantastic. Um, I don't think it quite is the uh, reach the heights promised from the, ooh, it's a lost album that you've got to hear. 
Other thing I note is, I noted this at the time, the CD for Pneumonia is a giant full moon. And I always thought that was Ryan Adams taking a shot at Jeff Tweedy and Wilco because the, the cover of Summer Teeth is this giant, or the boy uh, uh, blowing a giant balloon, or a... Uh, not a balloon, but a, a giant uh, bubble with, with chewing gum. And I thought there was not uh, homage, but actually just a shot across the bow at, uh, at Wilco for their Summer Teeth album. I don't, I've never read that that's the case, but that's what I always thought. And then the band blew up actually well before Pneumonia came out and Ryan Adams started his solo career. And that's where we turn. I already said some piece about Heartbreaker, and I don't want to take a ton of time because I want you guys to talk, and maybe I'll fill it in the end. I can't even be rational about Heartbreaker because it is one of my favorite albums of all time um just an album that you that 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 i've lived with it it was the album of my 20s and so that's you know every new apartment i moved into heartbreaker was the first album i played after every bad breakup or sometimes good breakup it's the first album i played every road trip that we went on a heartbreaker came along every time i hear songs from heartbreaker memories flood flood my mind and it's it still holds up well as anything else from that era um, it's an album about acceptance and rejection and inclusion and exclusion. The lyrics are witty and funny at times. There are tons of memorable lines and riffs. Um, I want you guys to, to dig into your uh, thoughts on Heartbreaker, and I'll probably come back at the end with a few more. But Heartbreaker to me is it's just about as flawless of a debut album as you can get. I totally agree. And look, it's, it's, it's one of those fascinating kind of album that begins with a song that is unlike almost any other song on the album. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's this kind of rollicking, high-spirited song, a rock song. And then, you know, the entire rest of the album, with one exception, I think, is basically kind of quiet. Yeah. Uh, it's more, uh, you know, kind of melancholy. You get into Sweet Carolina, which is probably my favorite song in a lot of ways. It's a song I play with my kids. We sing harmonies on it. Um, I sing it as a bedtime song for my uh, newborn. Up here in the city, it feels like things are closing me. The sun sets just my light bulb burning out. I miss Kentucky and I miss my family. All the sweetest winds they blow across the sand Oh my sweet Carolina And, you know, you can kind of just walk through this and be in this different world. Uh, You can be on Ninth Street. You can be in a small southern town. You can be in Carolina. It, it it doesn't make sense on some level, uh, and the songs are not going to kind of grab you the way uh, you know you know his louder songs might. But to me, it is just this quiet and almost perfect album, and it's where I was really introduced to me. You know, as as a guy who loves music, you know, I would not have found Amy Lou Harris probably right. if I hadn't heard her harmonies on. Yeah. Carolina. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, I'm not sure I would have been introduced to the vernacular of country music as a totally provincial uh, New York City kid who was really into to, to hard rock and heavy metal. I just never had any access point uh, to these kinds of music, to the vernacular of, of country acoustic guitar. And this is where I learned it. This is where I kind of began to pick up a little bit of what that tradition was all about. 
These songs all sound like Sting. Like these songs sound like people have been singing them and covering them in bands and in bars and in Nashville studios for 30 years. But they're not. Ryan Adams wrote each and every one of these songs. He wrote them all within a span, I guess, of a year or so. And he made an entire record of instant standards, which is an amazing thing when you think about it. So many country albums, so many you know, rock albums for that matter, have this thing where you know, they, they, they sometimes have appealing riffs, they have sometimes they have, you know, appealing production, but ultimately they feel kind of generic. You know, whether it's, uh, you know, To Be Young, which is that first song that Nick was talking about. Mm -hmm. To Be Young is To Be Sad, is To Be High. It's a, a classic, a classic Ryan Adams song. Maybe one of his five best, you could argue, in fact. Um, that's a real upbeat raver, but it sounds like something that's been played by, say, Johnny Cash, you know, at San Quentin or something like that. You know, if you think about the lyrics of that song, it, it, you feel like it was played, you know, during a prison concert somewhere <laughs> in 1969. But it feels authentic. It doesn't feel fake. And then right after it is um, actually my favorite song on the album, which is this quiet piece called My Winding Wheel. Again, this feels like it was played by the Carter family or something like that. It wasn't just written. It's been a folk song. It's been in the tradition, in the vernacular for decades upon decades. But no, this, this young punk just came up with it and put it down and found a band that was somehow so sympathetic to what he was trying to achieve that they put it down without making it sound even the slightest bit cliche. Will not time let her through? Yeah, I'm talking to you. Wanna see you? Precious little thing With eyes that dance around Without their clothes So buy a pretty dress Wear it out tonight For anyone you think Could outdo me Obey to steal Be my winding wheel Mm -hmm. Carolina, of course, is another great one. Um, you know, "Come Pick Me Up." I really like, even though you know he, he gets vulgar on that one. Actually, you know, that that that's one where <laughs> wouldn't be the know, last that, time. Yeah, it was, certainly wouldn't be the last time. And I think what we may start focusing on that later on is sort of like a sign of like a tick of Ryan Adams is getting lazy with his lyrics. You know, he just starts inserting f bombs to like you know prove how street he is. You know, when he could actually think a little <laughs> bit harder about what he's trying to say. But it's a funny song and it's a great chorus even some of the stuff like damn sam which nick uh we talked about you know when we were doing the, the show prep he's like that song's half of a song it's not even written all the way i agree it, it the lyrics on that song are ridiculous and make no sense but in that sense to me it feels a lot like an early sort of you know bluffed out bob dylan song from yeah. freewheeling or something like that and that is the other interesting thing to me for a guy who came out of country alt country rebel country um this is not nearly as much of a country album as either a you would expect it to be or b as some of the stuff that he would subsequently do um it feels much more influenced by folk Mm -hmm. uh, and particularly by sort of the folk rocker types. I, I hear Neil Young all over this album, and particularly uh, My Sweet Carolina, which I think we all agree is one of the best songs on this album. That is straight up late 70s Neil Young, right on down to having Emmylou Harris singing <laughs> background vocals. I mean, it could have come off of, uh, you know, Comes a Time or American Stars and Bars or something like that. And that's all to its credit, you know. 
uh, Bartering Lines, uh, Call Me on Your Way Back Home. These are songs that absolutely transcend genre. They transcend time and place. I, I like the way that Nick talked about how, like, you know, all these sort of references to sort of you know, places, and, uh, you know, geographical locations and, and times, but it, it almost doesn't feel like it's a, it's a, it's a made-up world. It's like a magical world, uh, sort of like the one that the band came up with on the the Brown album or music from Big Pink. Mm-hmm. It's like an imagined folk country world that still is like America in the modern era, but it's not located in any one time or place. It isn't New York City, and it isn't Carolina. It isn't San Antonio or Austin or any of the places that get mentioned in these lyrics. It's all of them, and it's none of them, and so that's what makes it end up feeling like a really universal record. And I don't know, Ryan Adams is such a considered and calculating writer when he wants to be that I don't know if that was intentional uh, to sort of get that universalistic feel or if it was just a beautiful accident. But either way, it ends up uh, making the album resonate so deeply, I think, for everyone, even people who say they don't like country music. My wife, I literally told my wife, yeah, we're doing Ryan Adams. She's like, she literally was like, "Oh, you mean like summer of '69?" And I'm like, "No, no." And, you know, and, and if he had been there, he would have stormed off stage, That's right. like he often does. You know, it's kind of fascinating, right. Jeff. When you think of Jacksonville skyline, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That is as compact and beautiful an evocation of a real place as you can find, I think, in music. You mm-hmm. that song right. puts you in a real place, and yet you're right. There is this fantasy New York, this fantasy East Village. Right. Uh, that he kind of conjures in a lot of these albums. And, uh, and that's what makes this one so universal in particular. That's why I love it. Yeah, you guys mentioned a lot of high points on Heartbreaker. I will mention uh, Amy and the, the double-track vocal. That's, again, the first, uh, probably the first one from the album I heard from the Virgin Megastore uh, appearance, and it's still one of my favorites. The way Oh My Sweet Carolina unfolds, if you listen back to it, it's guitar, it's Ryan's vocal, then the piano and Amy Lou come in, then the drums and the bass come in, and then this swell right at, at the tail end of the, of the track. It's put together just perfectly. Um, Call Me On Your Way Back Home starts with a giant sigh from Ryan Adams, just, and it sets the whole song up. And Je- uh, Jeff mentioned Come Pick Me Up, which uh, Ryan closes a lot of his shows with, and uh, and rightfully so. It's it's a devastating track, right? Um about a breakup, but 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 not mournful, not like a, a song for the dump from Ben Folds Five, right? That, that this is like almost the other side. This is kind of blaming yourself for allowing yourself to be stepped upon in relationships, and the whole "I wish you would" to the tale. And, and I love you almost think it's going to fade out with about ninety seconds to go. There's a harmonica solo, and it's kind of a repeating, and then it come back with the with the "I wish you'd make up my bed" and that last verse, which just hammers it home, and it's just a devastating end of that song. I wish you come pick me up is it's just a tremendous song on, on Heartbreaker. I want to mention two tracks right around this time very quickly. 
There's one in that Bloodshot compilation I bought the same day called Monday Night, which is worth seeking out. There's a Heartbreaker outtake called Goodbye Honey, which would be released later and is also on a different Bloodshot compilation that very much fits in the Heartbreaker vibe and, and would not have been out of place at all on the album. A fantastic song. But then you get to this point where Heartbreaker is received so well, everybody loves it, it's his first release, and so the rest of his career, by and large, has been, this album's going to be the next Heartbreaker, or, and or, this album's not as good as Heartbreaker. And that started almost immediately with the follow-up, which was called Gold. Which, by the way, you just, you're begging for trouble when you call your album Gold. (laughs) He was really, you know, he's tempting the rock gods and fate when he did that. He could have called it Platinum, right? It could have been worse. It did eventually go gold, though, so he has that going for him. I'll give him that. I will say this much about gold. As I told you guys earlier, this is my introduction to Ryan Adams. And uh, I've gone back and I think to myself, yeah, this is the first time where you can see some of the ticks that would end up showing up in his career that you know you can see where the, the fault lines are. It's too long. It's overstuffed. It's a double album that he wanted to almost make into a triple album. It (laughs) fills up an entire CD, and then there's like a supplemental side of extra material that he also wanted to include that the record label wouldn't let him include. By the way, this is the first time he's going to have a battle with his record label, which seems to constantly be walking all over him. It's an interesting story I'm not entirely up on. Um, Lost Highway uh, seems to always be telling him, no, you can't do this, and Maybe they have a point sometimes, but it's a bizarre uh, thing for him to put up with for so long. Um, Gold has some of the best stuff that Adams ever did in SSL. Start with New York, New York. New York, New York is, you know, it's it's a wonderfully poppy song. Uh, It's, ironically enough, the last time, I think it's the time, the point at which he gave up on trying to be like a hit singles artist or a guy who's going to, you know, try to make it to number one on the charts. If that one didn't do it, and I don't really think anything else he ever did except with maybe one or two songs off of rock and roll ever seemed to be geared towards chart success. Um, but that's no fault on rock, uh, New York, New York. I think it's a beautiful song. Again, mythologizing a city that doesn't quite exist, mm-hmm. sort of seen from the eyes of a Southerner who's come to the Big Apple and has fallen in love with it and with a girl there. And at the end of the chorus, it's just, you know, hell, I'll still love you, New York. It's such a great chorus. Um, and I wish the rest of the album maintained that. <clears throat> I think some of the folk stuff uh, is actually a little bit draggy. Sylvia Plath is yeah. like one of those album songs that makes me go like, enough, enough. Mm. This should be a B-side. I, it doesn't need to be on this. It's gormless folk. Uh, but the thing I actually may get into fights with other people about is I like the big rockest moves on this album. Nobody Girl yes. is nine and a half minutes long. <laughs> and a lot of people don't like it. I think it's really effective. I think it's really a song that surprisingly earns those nine and a half minutes. It gets loud, it gets nasty, but it proves that Ryan Adams actually, you know, coming out of country music, he knows how to play rock music. They don't know you. They don't watch you walk away. You know. The other one is Enemy Fire, which I think is, uh, again, another straight-up rock exercise that works. So I I really, um, I think that this is an album that has, like, if you would cut it in half, 
you would have said, well, this is the uh, wonderful and perfectly worthy follow-up to Heartbreaker. But at the length that it is, it, it, it's like there's nothing here that's embarrassing, but sometimes you just like stuff starts to fade into, you know, uh, going to make you love me. I don't know. Um, the, the, you end up missing out on tracks that should be given more credit or attention, like La Cienega, Just Smile. Wonderful ballad of his, that um, or Rescue Blues is another great one. Mm -hmm. These are songs that are really underappreciated, I think, because they're surrounded by too much other stuff on that record that could have been dropped. And Ryan Adams has always been his own worst editor, in my opinion. Uh, Gold uh, has lingered more than you might think it would for an album that sold whatever 500,000, 600,000 copies. New York, New York is still played an awful lot. Answering Bell was featured in Bridesmaids. Rescue Blues was in an episode of Scrubs and uh, Behind Enemy Lines, a film. Um, everybody and her brother seemingly is covered when the scar stars go blue, which is a great uh, song. So it's still around in a lot of ways. Yes, it's too long. And unfortunately, some of the best, best stuff from these sessions are on that fourth uh, side, the extra CD, which no one can get anymore, I don't think. Um, Rosalie Come and Go might be my favorite rockin' Ryan Adams' tune in his canon. Uh, it's a great song. Uh, Fools We Are as Men and Cannonball Days are also on that bonus side for. Those are some of the best songs on gold completely. Wildflowers from the slow ones on the album. Wild, Wildflowers always surprises me. It's like buried at 13 or 12. I forget it's there. There's so many songs on gold, and it surprises me almost every time how much I like Wildflowers quite a bit. Uh, Nobody Girl, you mentioned, it is a standout. Uh, Answering Bell is just like a it's, a it's a Van Morrison ripoff, but it works well. Adam Duritz from the Cunning Crows does does backing vocals on that. I mean, this was a reach for a, for a brass ring, right? I mean, it's produced immaculately. There are some big hooks in there, and it sold fine. But as as Jeff mentioned, I think this is the last time he'd, he'd probably uh, intentionally go about and say, "I think I'm going to sell a million copies." Right? Um, it was not quite as important for him, I think, after this. Nick. You know, it's funny. You were saying uh, on the on the side four bonus tracks, and it's true that probably three or four of the best songs on the album are these bonus tracks. And you ask yourself, so why is Sylvia Plath on there? <laughs> um, uh, why why, why the was the bar you know, is a beautiful place left off the album? I love that song. Yeah, that's a great song. Like the Rescue Blues feels, you know, kind of obligatory. It, it just feels like a, like a cliche. Um, Firecracker is a simple and beautiful and effective song. I'm totally with Jeff on Nobody Girl. I think it's a great song, but I disagree. It does not earn nine minutes. <laughs> Every time I try and play along with that song or listen to it, I'm thinking, why are these verses twice as long as they have to be? I just want to get to the God. <laughs> that's because you're playing along with it, Nick. you got to be doing something else. you got to be reading something or something like that. I'm, l I'm waiting for the hook in that chorus. Like It's like the juice. I want to get to it, <laughs> and i got to sit through... A verse that's you know four bars too long. I never understand it's it. All about the um, anticipation. You know, I actually like um, "Make You Love Me." I love that it's kind of rollicking. I love the the kind of texture of it. That it's kind of pinpoint, even though it's got this kind of heavy strumming guitar. It's got this kind of lightness, uh, and it moves. So I really love it. Come to you like a 
Fools We Are as Men, great song. You know, you can play 10 Ryan Adams songs with the same four chords at third position, um, doing a lot of the <laughs> same moves, and that's one of them. And for some reason, I never get bored doing it. I never feel like these songs are interchangeable, even though a lot of them have that, the same moves the on them, they, kind of melodically. They don't sound the same. I don't know how it's possible. He uses the same four chords, and yet they're all different. <laughs> and I, that is an incredibly difficult thing to do, and it's all based on the melodies that he writes around them. Yep, yep. It, it's, it's an amazing thing, and, and I, don't, I, I have to say that it, it, it is the, the hallmark of his career that even when he's bad or, or <laughs> mediocre, he's never like truly awful because he always just has this sort of basic ability to write an engaging yeah. or interesting melody throw in a cool chord there hey i didn't expect that something like that comes up i want to move just quickly through the third album which is weird uh, again this is this is where his discography gets strange uh, demolition it was an album that isn't really an album in his mind in a lot of fans minds it was assembled out of the wreckage of like four other albums that are unreleased and mm -hmm. perhaps of questionable value so it has a dog's breakfast sort of a feel to it you have rockers you have acoustic ballads uh but not in any sort of sense of i'm trying to do this i'm trying to set up an intentional conceit it actually does sort of sound like you know the scraps from four different records yeah a lot of people hate this album i am not a huge fan of it i think starting to hurt as far as rock ryan adams goes is, is a pretty great song uh but the one that really stands out to me and of course maybe i am biased as a chicago <laughs> uh, but dear chicago i think is is one of his finest acoustic ballads it's it's absolutely ghostly i love the way it's produced it has these incredibly echoey uh, acoustic reverbed guitars and it, it has a the wonderful virtue, which Ryan Adams songs don't always have, and that it just dances very briefly before your eyes, two minutes and 15 seconds, and then it's gone. And it is a beautiful, beautiful piece of music um, and, and a nice little cameo uh, from a guy who sometimes was known for not always, you know, cutting it off at exactly the right time. Think about you lying there And those blankets last so still Nothing breathes here in the cold Nothing moves or even smiles I've been thinking some of suicide But this bar's out here for miles Sorry about the every kiss Every kiss you wasted bad Think the thing you said was true I'm gonna die alone and sad This album... I'm gonna I'm gonna make uh, Nick mad. I, I think the rockers are the weakest part of the album. I, I'm not a big fan of starting to hurt, but the, the slower stuff works. You will always be the same. Might be the best song uh, from from the scraps of those albums. There's even cello in there. It's the one time of the album I think he lets the guard down a little bit. He's a little more comfortable. Uh, Dear Chicago is fantastic, no doubt about it. Uh, Tennessee sucks. I kind of like the the light shuffle, the thrown off feel. This this distant piano in the background of of, of Tennessee sucks. Uh, but this was yes, it, I mean it it was a real album, but it was thrown together from from the scraps of some other ones, um, which are available online, you know, in various places. If you want to try to track them down, Suicide Handbook, Pink Heart Sessions, and Forty Eight Hours. Um, I think it's a, it's a very uneven album, but but based on its genesis, it's it's to be expected, I think. Nick, you know, it's kind of amazing. I I love starting to hurt. Uh, it's the first song I grabbed onto uh, in this whole album. Uh, you know, it's again, it's one of these mixed albums. It's got a bunch of rockers. I don't think it. You know, I think it has actually two or three of his best country-style songs. Um, you know, I think Chin Up, Cheer Up, yeah, again, a too. perfect three-minute 
uh, fast country song with as good a slide solo as you'll ever hear. I listen to that solo every time, and I think, like, who can do this? Who played it? I'm not even sure. You know, I think Hallelujah, same deal. Three-minute, quick, simple song. Uh, great imagery, great lyrics. Put you right in the place. It's simple. It's straightforward. Bringing you down. Can't bring you down. Bringing you down. Can't bring you down. Bringing you down. had Tennessee Sucks, which sounds like what it is, a song about a place he was pissed off to be at some right. point. <laughs> and it's the opposite of a love song. It's like a hate letter. Um, and it doesn't belong on an album. You can just edit this stuff out, dude. You cannot have every single song. You don't need 12 tracks here. You have like six really good ones and four more pretty good ones. <laughs> this is uh, Political Beats. I mean, that, 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 that's classic bootleg series material. Leave it for the yeah. bootleg series. <laughs> This is Political Beats, a presentation of National Review. Don't forget to subscribe to our feed. New episodes, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, NationalReview.com on Mondays for the new episodes. Scott Bertram, Jeff Blair, and Nick Confessori is with us, a reporter for the New York Times, writer at large for the New York Times Magazine, MSNBC contributor. You can also find him on Twitter. We're talking about Ryan Adams. And we and come... now, Scott, I have to ask you this question. It inevitably comes up at this point. Does Ryan Adams have the worst record label ever? Why are the people that he works for such clod-hopping hacks? Of course, this is an argument that becomes relevant when we talk about the next release in his career. Uh, yes. Actually, the question is, what should we consider the next release in his career? <laughs> is it rock and roll or is it love is hell? I think probably makes more sense to think about it as being love is hell. This is an album that he recorded uh, and then he submitted it to the label. The label said this is uh, not commercial. This is not a complete album. This is not good. You can't release this. They nixed it. They they did the kind of thing that, that actually you are kind of surprised to hear ever happening these days. It was sort of a, a tradition that like in the 70s and the 80s, these big labels would sort of bigfoot their artists and say, you know, come back. There's no single on this record. Give us a hit single. Uh, exactly. You know, uh, but they did it to Adams. And so he had to go in and, and he recorded another album within like two weeks, apparently, goes the legend. And that's rock and roll. But before we get to rock and roll, since it comes chronologically second, although it was True. released first, this album was released, I think, as like two EPs. And then it was finally released as an actual album. I'm going to say right now, I think Love is Hell um, is one of the best Ryan Adams albums ever released. It's one of the what? best things that he ever did. It is uh, probably as far as he ever got from country music. So if you like country music and, and you like that aspect of what Adams brings to the table, you're going to not like this album. This is his depressive, uh, mopey folk slash Brit pop uh, kind of rocker ballad experiment. I think it is the best thing he ever did. I even love the cover of Wonderwall, which was, again, a, a, a sort of delightful anticipation of the perverseness that he would get up to later in his career. Later on, Ryan Adams would do an entire album uh, of 1989, Taylor Swift's 1989. And then here in uh, 2003, he's covering Oasis's Wonderwall. And he has a really, really interesting take on it. But songs like Afraid, Not Scared, I think Afraid, Not Scared, and uh, This House Is Not For Sale, or two of the finest things that Adams ever 
ever recorded. They are uh, wonderfully written, but also structured tracks that reveal the the elements of their song, uh, the elements of the production come out step by step. It doesn't all you know come at you instantly. It takes time to unfold. Sea Monsters is a beautiful ballad. City Rain, City Streets. And uh, of course, uh, this is kind of goes back to the joke that we did at the beginning of the show. <laughs> Anybody Want to Take Me Home should have been from this album, although it was pilfered later on for rock and roll. I don't know how other people feel about Love is Hell. I think it is one of Ryan Adams' finest achievements. It might even make my top two list. And see, I don't wow. even, go ahead, Nick, because I heard I heard a what in the middle of uh, Jeff's yeah, explanation. So, so go, go wrong. ahead. I'm on the verge of hanging up here. That is, that is just <laughs> such a wrong opinion in every way. Jeff, this is this album is a mess. Uh, I lost part two and never bought it again because that's how little I gave a about owning it. Um, I still have part one, I think. And yeah, look, Wonderwall is probably one of the best covers of a modern pop song in you know ever. It's amazing. It is, it is, he somehow improved on a classic song and made it better. And I understand that Liam Gallagher plays this version now uh, on tour. Um, but the rest of it, it just doesn't hang together. It's, you know, I see it more as like his experimental album. You're right. It doesn't have a lot of the, the country elements. Um, I like English Girls approximately. He does a great version of that when he's playing solo acoustic sets. Uh, but this just feels... Oh, and also Love is Hell, Great Love is Hell. Mm-hmm. That's a good song. It moves. It's got a bit of that rock feeling to get more of in rock and roll. But for the most part, this feels like what it is. And the label is right. This is interesting. We're going to have three divergent opinions on the same album. I love this. This is what the show's all about. Uh, so my take is I uh, I actually I have the two EPs. So anybody want to take me home? That's not even on my that's not even on my Love is Hell. <laughs> Because I have the EPs, not the not the one full uh, album for, for for Love Is Hell. I That's take, what I have too. Yeah, yeah. So I take side. I take disc one and basically shove it to the side. Uh, I, I think disc one is a disappointment. Uh, Political scientist is a mess. Um, that's the only song that's a true mess. I agree. Uh, Love as Hell is all right. Uh, Wonderwall, I'm not a, a huge fan. Of. I, I I just push disc one to the side. But I do tell you, disc two is not bad at all. I don't. It's not great. I don't think it's at the heights of his his, his career, but it's not bad. Um, and actually features probably the best Ryan Adams song that nobody ever ever mentions, and that is "Please Do Not Let Me Go," which is yes. just fantastic. It's as plain spoken as he had been since Heartbreaker in terms of the lyrics and the I guess the, you know the emotional content kind of of, of a song. It's a beautiful track that kind of like uh, Sweet Carolina kind of explodes in this in this swell of, of of instruments at the end. That's a great track. True love ain't that hard to find. Not that either one of us will ever know. you lay here for a while please do not let me go please 
Girls approximately, uh, City Rain, City Streets, and the closer, Hotel Chelsea Nights, no one mentioned. I think that's great. The, the bluesy guitar fills and the, the lyrics of just wandering New York City streets looking for love. Um, so I, I think Love is Hell, the first half, I, I, I again, I push it away. The second half, I come back to uh, every now and then, but uh, I don't think it's anywhere near the, the heights of, of, of Ryan Adams' career. So, Nick, you didn't like Love is Hell because it's you know just sort of slow, mopey, and, and discursive. What do you think about uh, the incredibly commercial grab for the brass ring that is 2003's Rock and Roll? I am still a big fan of this album. Uh, to me, it was this guy that I loved who was doing more of the thing that I loved that he did, which is more of the rock. You see him uh, turning his guitars up. You see him using some of the effects and the layering he would use uh, on his most recent albums. It's a little bit 80s a lot of chorus on some of these tracks you know i love the guitar tone as a guitar player i just love what he's doing on these songs uh they're kind of grandiose uh the songs don't always feel that well structured but songs like uh, luminal uh um, do miss america is a top song of mine for ryan adams uh i just think i just think it's great and i love that it just starts off with this low and heavy classic blues rock riff it's one of the you know few albums really where he's doing riff rock, right? Because mm-hmm. normally it's oh, yeah. a hell of a lot of yeah. arpeggios, right? It's great melodies and lots and lots of arpeggios. This is Ryan doing riff rock. Let me sing a song for you. It's never been sung I love this album. I still listen to it. I put it pretty high up there. You, Scott? So I won't lie to you. I liked it at the time it came out, and I do remember popping it in the CD player in a car for drives. And and much like, uh, I guess, much like American Beauty, uh, every time I heard it, or in that case, viewed it, I liked it less and less and less. Um, to me, there's two tracks that stand. Did you just compare rock and roll to American Beauty? Yeah, everyone loved American Beauty when it came out. Now everyone hates it. (laughs) There's two. That is cold. There's exactly two songs on here that I think are are worth uh, salvaging, and uh, one is "Do Miss America," which uh, I think is one of the best Paul Westerberg songs ever, not written and not uh, recorded by Paul Westerberg. (laughs) And the other one, I think I don't don't know what to say. All time, it's not going to make my my final five. But I think Burning Photographs is so far and away the best song on this album. It's not even funny. It's yeah, there's this echoey guitar riff and this gorgeous, beautiful bridge toward the end of the song. I think Burning Photographs is by far the best uh, song on rock and roll and is somewhere in the upper echelon in terms of songs he's recorded. But there's a lot of really not great stuff here. Wish You Were Here, not good. And we get into uh, the, uh, the, the the profanity for profanity's sake. I guess I'll have to say it just bleep myself later. It's all a bunch of shit. It's totally f***ed up. I, that, that's what you want to put? All, all right, I guess. Um, note to self, drugs. don't don't it's die. drugs, that's what it is. Yeah, yeah. Oh, well, yeah. Uh, note to self, don't die is, I mean, okay. I, I, there's, there's just a lot of stuff on here that's disposable, and I don't find myself wanting to hear it uh, that much anymore at all. Well, uh, once again, uh, you're both wrong. Uh, this is... Uh, <laughs> 
<laughs> seems to be a two-album continuum here. Uh, uh, I think it's not as good as Nick thinks it is. It's certainly not as bad as you think it is. The, 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 basically, for those who aren't aware, this is probably the most controversial album in the entire Ryan Adams canon. There are people who, like, everybody hates a Ryan and thinks that's a joke. Uh, but there are there's a lot of anger directed at rock and roll. The people think it's just kind of like a sellout. It's, it's musical, as our friend Chris Hayes would say, it's musical cosplay. Uh, it's, you know, him just... <laughs> That was a great line. Dressing, <laughs> dressing up as low as you know. I am Superman. I am a rock and roller. You know, and it, it's no more obvious than in the first song, which is you know, this is it, which is clearly an answer to uh, the Strokes. Is is this it? And of course, this is the time when Adams was hanging out with the Strokes and apparently being a malign influence on them. If you believe the new book that just came out recently, Meet Me in the Bathroom. Um, which has some really hilarious stories about Ryan Adams that completely track with how I imagine he is as a person. Like where he would come over and like, you know, everybody would have their guitars out and they'd be playing songs. And then he'd be like, oh, hey, I wrote this one. And then he'd start playing for like two hours. He'd play like 16 <laughs> songs. He just wouldn't stop singing because he's, you know, so prolific. He's got 4,000 things he wants to show off to you. Um, but everybody needs some big, dumb, amazingly hooky, pop riffs in their life and i can think of no better example of that than so alive so alive in my opinion is one of my top five ryan adams songs it is by far the best song on this album despite the fact that it is rock simple it is incredibly simple it sounds like an 80s song in i think all of the best possible ways it sounds like it's like a hybrid of blondie and 38 special if that makes any sense <laughs> it's a beautiful chorus he is singing his guts out going for this very almost buckley like you know you know tim buckley or jeff buckley like falsetto on the choruses it's a moment of triumph uh, on an album uh, that doesn't have too many. Burning Photographs is also excellent. I, I like, of course, anybody want to take me home, uh, do Miss America. This is the album that, that I think is hated because it has a reputation for having really, really awful lyrics, dumb sort of rock-headed lyrics. Uh, you know, maybe it's he's high on heroin and opium, or or maybe he's just sort of getting into what he thinks the genre demands. But there are songs like Boys, uh, which is kind of a really cool riff. It's a really good kind of a rock riff song, you know, driving beat, melody. Uh, but he spoils it with some of the dumbest lyrics he's ever written <laughs> his entire life. He's basically, boys want girls, ook. It, it sounds like basically a caveman could have written it. Um, <laughs> he could do a lot better, uh, and he has... But I think this is an underrated record as far as they go. I, I, I just will say so many good things about So Alive. And, and by the way, they did a fantastic performance of it on the David Letterman show, uh, which I'll probably link to in our show notes. If you haven't seen it, boy, he just nails it. He blows it away on that performance. And uh, 
It was cements why I love that song so much. I want to just real quickly. It's not the big dumb hooks that I object to because there are a couple of songs on on future albums that I guess Halloween Head and Magic that are big dumb rock songs, and I love the crap out of them. Um, I just don't think it was executed all that well on on rock and roll. But we'll, we continue that in a bit. Uh, we got a little bit of a break here. In between albums, Ryan Adams breaks his wrist, uh, falling off a stage, if I recall the the the, uh, the story correctly, and um, he was having a hard time relearning how to play with uh, a- after the broken wrist. And the story goes, he took a lot of solace in listening to the Grateful Dead and specifically Jerry Garcia. And saying that everything has to be perfect, things can sound a little ragged. Garcia can play that way. I can kind of play that way. And so that would lead to twenty oh five. Three, count them, three albums released from Ryan Adams in uh, in 2005, and we'll take them chronologically, I suppose. And that first one is the most dead-influenced album of his career, I think. American Beauty era, Grateful Dead, Cold Roses. Uh, I always, uh, I joke, it's true. You know, the handcrafted show notes that Jeff does for, uh, for Political Beats each and every week. It's just like a handcrafted the liner notes, the 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 the, uh, the, the bifold, you know, the uh, for for the two CDs to fit in. This is all part of exactly how Ryan Adams wanted to put forward "Cold Roses," which is the word. The word you're looking for is bespoke. It is a bespoke <laughs> album. Yes. Every little detail, every been worried over. detail, and it works. It works really well. Uh, back to our cliche. It's true. He could use an editor. I think there are some things that could be perhaps left off, but on the whole, it still works really, really well. Magnolia Mountain, the first track on the first disc of Cold Roses, sets the t- uh, sets the tone. Man, does that just suck you in and get you prepared for what you're about to hear through uh, Cold Roses? It's the sound of Ryan working with the band. I, I think you hear the Cardinals were put together at, at this time. You hear that band, I think, uh, aesthetic coming through. There's a back-to-back uh, Cherry Lane and Mockingbird on disc one. That's about as good as it gets, man. Cherry Lane is fantastic. As, uh, the, Ryan Adams' vocals, he holds the uh, uh, But I Lie, extending that note before heading into that lyric. Fantastic. But I can never get close Again, these are some really good lyrics. Uh, again, rock and roll is is, is kind of uh, uh, put down for the lyrics. There's some good stuff on Cold Roses, and especially on Jacksonville City Nights we'll talk about in a sec. But, you know, Mockingbird, love her in the ways you want to be loved, but the way I'm loving her, it must not be enough. And it goes from there. Great songs. And one of my favorite Ryan Adams and the Cardinals uh, songs, Let It Ride. These, like, Western guitar whirls happening through the song and, uh, you know, uh, down the Cumberland River, Let It Ride's fantastic. Cold Roses is uh, after some, uh, hey, as you heard, after some mixed opinions on the past few <laughs> albums, Cold Roses, by and large, is a slam dunk success. Yeah, I find that's really funny how we all seem to have different songs that we single out on these records, which is a really good sign of quality, really, because if, if everybody's disagreeing about what the best songs on these albums are, that that's a pretty good indicator that there's a lot here for everyone, and mm-hmm. anybody can come in and pick something up. But before I get on to my thoughts, Nick, you go first. What are your thoughts on Cold Roses? I think this is uh, 
It's either the first or second best Ryan Adams album. It depends how, how deeply you feel about Heartbreaker. Uh, this is the album where he pairs up with the Cardinals, um, and Neil Casales take a back seat and be the backup singer and lead guitar player. Uh, and what they did was create an almost perfect album. I think there are very few weak songs on here. There are songs that are kind of weak lyrically, uh, but but strong musically. There is there there are songs that are incredibly good in both senses. Um, the title track "Cold Roses" is mm-hmm. weak lyrically. It's one of those songs where you feel like. He called it a night halfway through the songwriting. I was like, yeah, you know, it sort of rhymes. We'll just go with it. But you go Magnolia Mountain, uh, Sweet Illusions. You know, often, speaking of Jerry Garcia, when they played Magnolia Mountain live, they would often do this extended Grateful Dead-style jam, uh, you know, almost an Allman Brothers slash Dead jam with harmonized guitar lines. Uh, It is just, it feels like a double album. It feels kind of monumental, the sound on this album is very different from, I think, almost all the other Ryan albums, mm-hmm. and indeed most of the other Cardinals albums. Uh, it's got this very particular sound. I've been thinking about the sound of this album for years now. I've been trying to replicate it uh, at home for years now. you got songs like Beautiful Sorta, which is messy in every sense. Um, you get songs like Sweet Illusions, which are kind of delicate and precise. You and I used to shine like a jewel But time's been nothing to us but cool So play it out and never play the fool Cause you lose every time We were nothing, we were only the best Hard times like that don't last I've been forgiven, I have been surpassed I agree, you know, songs like uh, Easy Plateau and Let It Ride, again, you're at kind of peak songwriting here for him in terms of evoking a place. Yeah. Uh, I think there were very few weak songs on this double album. I mean, and I, I think that it's telling that, again, as I just said, why is Cold Roses perhaps the greatest or certainly up there with Ryan Adams's discography is because I've let the two of you go before me, and neither of you have mentioned the three songs that I like the most from this record. <laughs> All right, the one that I, the first one, the one that really jumps out to me is Meadow Lake Street. Uh, what I love the most about Meadow Lake Street, and oh. this is the thing that leaps out to me uh, in songwriting, because this is an album where, you know, yes, he has that sort of looser Grateful Dead vibe, but he's always going to be Ryan Adams. Mm-hmm. Ryan Adams is a man who never entirely lets go of thinking about how do I arrange things? How do I orchestrate things? How do I orchestrate sound and sort of emotional uh, crescendos? That song begins acoustically and has this very kind of rhythmic uh, kind of a chorus. It's it's based not so much on the melody as it is on the, the rhythmic pattern of his acoustic guitar playing and his singing. And then suddenly, you, it's a th- you're three minutes into the song, three and a half minutes into the song, and you've, it's been an acoustic guitar solo ballad, and then boom, the full band comes in, builds up with a crescendo like do 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 do. Full band comes in, and then you're like, what what the hell is going on here? You are taken aback by the fact that he has turned it into a completely different song, 
but without making it sound forced or phony, just on a purely musical level. Those are the sorts of moves that I admire so greatly because when you, when you, when you move through different musical modes without making it seem forced, without, when you're able to make it seem organic, boy, you've got my attention. You've earned my respect. I feel like a dream snob with heaven, like a nervous joke. Ain't nobody laughing like somebody with nothing because they don't know what to Tiny like the sand in the cracks of the driftwood Washed up on the shore of an ocean view Boats out on the horizon Made out of the maple tree We used to lie down on Meadow Lake Street Counting the stars The other, the other two songs that I, I, I really like are If I Am a Stranger. What I love about that one is, God, the pedal steel solo on that, on that is just so glorious. Uh, it's, it's like he's finally returned home to country rock in, in a way that feels like he's not sort of being forced to do it. He's gone around the world. He's done his, his rock moves, his folk <laughs> moves, his Dylan, his Neil Young moves. And there is a straight-up country rock song that just flows like a river rushing downstream and it works beautifully a song that just you know nobody talks about it's one great song among many on this record but it, it's a real highlight to me uh, and then the last one and that kind of really best captures how i feel about this album is friends which is the the, the conclusion of the album hmm. i mean unless you have the one with the bonus tracks um it's dignified, and that's what this album is. This album is genuinely dignified. There aren't any sort of you know, there are a, a few half-assed songs. There are a few things where you know maybe you know he could have edited the song a little bit, but the the dignity of this album, the construction, it has both a casual and loose feel, but also a very intentionally constructed feel. Friends feels like the first genuinely worthy album closer that he's managed to pull off since Heartbreaker. Um, and it is a great way to wrap up an album that is, I think a lot of people would agree, maybe the most consistent thing that he ever did. Political Beats is a presentation of National Review. Subscribe for new episodes, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, and at nationalreview.com. Listen, enjoy, please leave reviews as well. My name is Scott Bertram. He's Jeff Blair. Nick Confessori is with us, a reporter for the New York Times. We're talking about Ryan Adams. Album number two of 2005. A classic country workout called Jacksonville City Nights. You like uh, pedal steel? You like honky-tonk piano? You like some strings with your music? Jacksonville City Nights is for you. And it sounds like uh, cosplay, as as, uh, <laughs> as Jeff had mentioned earlier. Uh, musical cosplay, quoting Chris Hayes. But man, oh man, does this work. Jacksonville City Nights, and I'm still trying to figure out my, my two albums, my five tracks, might be my second favorite Ryan Adams album of all of them. Uh, the songwriting is super sharp, uh, lyrically especially, I think, for Jacksonville City Nights. And there's a lot of country. It's not, it's not all country. It's some things that perhaps were inspired by that kind of music. But the songs are great. An old Whiskeytown track called My Heart is Broken. 
ends up here. Uh, my favorite track on the album might be the hardest part. It's like two minutes and whatever seconds. Uh, and there's not a misstep through the entire, entire track. Promises don't pay cash at the bank. If they did, I'm betting you would. You couldn't pay me for the time that it took to write a check or buy a baby doll for my girl. And I worked hard for every little bit I got. The things I got are gonna stay. It's been flooding so hard on this company mind that you know it's gonna flood someday. You're gonna miss someone. And that ain't the hardest part. A little bit of Graham Parsons' worship on Hard Way to Fall. I got no problem with that. Dear John hits me in the stomach, punches me in the stomach every freaking time. What a song. Nora what Jones. Song. Yeah. Amazing, yeah. Nora Jones does the, uh, the the vocal, and Ryan has to sing high harmony on that track, and it works. The, the, those voices work so well together. Um, dear John, a woman... Uh, lamenting her life now without her husband. Um, and But the lyrics are so powerful. You know, toward the end, she accepts an affair that the husband had uh, one summer. She rationalizes the death of, a, I would imagine, unborn child by saying a, a little pain was overdue in her life. It's just crushing stuff. And, and, and the melody is amazing. Gut punch every single time. Same thing with uh, uh, Silver Bullets on the album too. I can't make you love me. You can't make me stay. This parse piano, little bit of pedal steel. Uh, and you mentioned the closer, Jeff, from the last album, Don't Fail Me Now, on Jacksonville City Nights is one hell of a closer as well. Yeah. It's it's a completely overlooked album because people look and say, oh, it's that one with the old-time classic country cover, and they might not even pick it up. Jacksonville City Nights is peak Ryan Adams. Where did this album come from? Country, real old school country, seven albums in to Ryan Adams's career. And, and it feels, this is the thing, like it's Ryan Adams. So the first thing you think to yourself is like, oh, here he is. He's wearing another mask. But it's only because of like that long musical history that leads up to this point. You, you listen to The End, which is another mm, great song. Yes, yes. And then Adams writes this lyric. He talks about, you know, how I never knew the sound of my father's voice. And, like, I was literally listening to it again, even though I know what I know, and I was thinking, oh, come on. This is just one of these hokey country pastiches. This is BS. But then I remembered he's not making that up. That's his real life. That's his actual autobiography. He didn't know his dad. Mm -hmm. You know, these songs are real. The feeling is real. And the it doesn't feel phony. The emotion is real, and that completely brings off every affectation he puts into this uh, – What's really also nice is that that quirky Ryan Adams songwriting, which, you know, is I think really just so far elevated above the standard country or pop cliche melodically and quarterly, it's all still there. Um, I guess maybe sometimes that's why it feels like a bit of a mask, I guess. Uh, but he has a real feel for this. And underneath everything, uh, it, it still feels like him. The country feels lived in. Hmm. And then you get to a song like Dear John. Dear John is um, – it's a great song. You've got to give Ryan Adams credit for writing it, but I don't know what it would be without Nora Jones. Yeah, yeah. Nora Jones's voice. I was trying to think about how I would describe this to people who hadn't heard. She sings. She sounds like velvet sandpaper. Is it like a little a low key Stevie Nicks, maybe. Yeah, she, but she's she's soft. Yeah. But she's also rough, and it's hurt. 
and there's such pain there. Oh my God, it's such a wonderful performance. Of course, Nora Jones is not like some old woman with pain at all. She was very young at the time of recording this, but yep. she sings it with such beautiful conviction. And then there's, again, this is another Ryan Adams album where they're just songs that are random songs that you've never heard of strewn off in the back half of the record that are amazing. Has anybody, is anybody who's listening to this podcast heard a song called Trains? I recommend it to you. Go listen to Trains. You will feel much better about your life once you have heard the song Trains. It's a beautiful <laughs> country rock song. This album is full of them. People, again, as Scott said, people ignore this, I think, because they think, oh, this is like another, this is like him doing hard rock or him doing punk rock. Don't think of it that way. This is one of his great albums. Real quick before before Nick jumps in, you mentioned The End, and I think that's one of the perfect examples. We haven't talked about this yet, but the way Ryan Adams writes lyrics and then fits those lyrics in the song, kind of around around the he, music he, and he, around he, the he bars. He has a gift for scansion. Yes. Uh, he, he really just sort of like run those words into a meter yep. in a way that you would not think possible. And so there's you a think? line There's a line in The End where the waitress tries to give me change and I say, nah, it's cool, just keep it. And it it's just it's perfect the way he can just rams those those words in where they are supposed to fit around the music and that, that's that's a feature throughout the career and i think it works even better because of the way this album is put together the, you know the, he, the theme he sings and he makes it sound like a person talking to you and yeah. that's that's the trick he makes it sound like a guy having a conversation that's what's amazing about it at the diner in the morning for a plate of eggs the waitress tries to give me change, I say, in our school, just keep it. And I read up my news, I start thinking about her. And I wonder if anybody here besides me has got any decent secrets. Oh, Jacksonville, how you You know, I would say that if you're listening to this podcast, uh, I would say, you should buy this album just for Dear John. That's how much I love that song. That's how highly I think of it. Uh, to me, it's it's him at his best. Uh, sort of perfect and restrained songwriting and lyricism. Uh, you know, there are three or four different versions of this song on different albums of Ryan's. Uh, there's an acoustic version. There's an Nora Jones version. I have a couple of live versions. Um but on this version of it, those harmonies, I, I can't tell if it's four or five parts, hmm. uh, but those harmonies on that chorus will stick with you forever. They are indescribably sad and mournful. And you're right, you know, he's got this kind of harsher voice, and, and Nora Jones has this kind of low and incredibly silky voice, and it's not the most obvious combination. I'm not sure which musicians are playing on this album or on this one song. Uh, it sounds to me a lot like parts um, of her second album, and so I wonder if, if some of her musicians, some of her, her, her band came on board. you got a stand-up bass that gives this kind of low, uh, throbbing sound to it, keeps the, the low end down. Uh, it is just such an amazing song. Uh, it wrecks me every time. And it's so, it's so perfect in the way it summons a scene and a relationship in so few words. Uh, so like I say, if, if you just bought this album for this one song, it's worth it.
Because he was either drunk or high. This was back before uh. he got a little bit sober. And uh, I'm pretty sure that he and Nora couldn't figure out who was going to sing which part. Uh, <laughs> so he kept going, like singing the low part, but at a, at a higher register. And she kept looking over at him, and they kept trading back and forth a couple of times. And she looked kind of annoyed. Uh, but it was still... She, she's a pro. He sometimes is not. <laughs> you know, strangely enough, it, it still worked. And... It's definitely on my top five Ryan songs of all time. Uh, Jacksonville City Nights, number two that year, and the third album released that year. We're still in 2005. Still in 2005. All in one year. And I'm sure there were leftovers, too, that didn't make the albums and are probably floating out there somewhere. 29 is the last album of the year. Nine songs, each are supposed to represent a different year of Ryan Adams' 20s. Uh, you know, the, the years 20 through 29. Um, there's... I mean, I don't want to say anything's inessential necessarily, but I don't. You don't really need twenty nine. Uh, yeah. The title track is is a straight trucking rewrite from the you know Jerry Garcia love. There are three tracks on here I think are that stand uh, stand above. They're focused. I think the, the, the music is focused. Everything sounds a little better. Nightbirds, Carolina Rain, and the sadness. Um, but I, I don't think this is an essential kind of Ryan Adams album. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to agree with you. I, I think this is obviously the least of these three. It's amazing that he managed to put out three actual, discrete, authentic albums in a year. But he, he might have just, you know, should have stopped pushing his luck at two. Uh, <laughs> Strawberry Wine is another one I'll single out. I think that's a nice, very long, kind of uh, you know, rambling folk song. But he, he gets into these interesting falsetto trips on it. And I like that chorus. I like the fact that it, 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 it sometimes the shapelessness of his song, uh, when it's put into the folk milieu, has virtues. That's the best place for it to be because if you're in a folk mood, it does feel it has coffee shop feel to it. That's my favorite song on the album. I think Nightbirds is the other one, but yeah, I think all told, this is this is one of his less essential ones. You know, it's funny. I, you know, I have this album is not an album I actually own. There were so many freaking albums coming out <laughs> that I lost track. Yeah, well, believe me, we forgive you, man. We understand. I was still grooving on on uh, Cold Roses, and my friend Greg, the guy I play Ryan songs with, he's like, hey, there's a new album out. And I was like, eh. You know, I never got it. <laughs> I will good. say one song that I've on this album that I've come around to because I own one of the interminable live albums uh, that, that, that Ryan Incorporated has put out is Carolina Rain. Mm-hmm. Um you could say it's a little overwritten. It's a little too much, uh, trying too hard to be what it is. But it is a nice little story, and it makes for a real nice, uh, uh, you know, live acoustic track when he plays it solo. So now Ryan Adams cleans up. Yes. 
theoretically, uh, cleans up from a long-standing drug addiction and uh, puts out an album that I think some might argue represents the end of the era, uh, the end of a, a sort of an era of creativity for him. Uh, and then others would say that, no, no, this album isn't even that good. There are a lot of other, other ones after it that are even better. But I think Easy Tiger kind of at least it draws a curtain on a certain period of Ryan Adams's creativity. It is... Uh, if not the last song, last album with the Cardinals, it, it feels sort of fundamentally different than Cardinology, which will come up later. I think this is a very good album. Uh, it is a very diverse album, but also I think the first time I can say that aside from there are two songs on this that, that really jump out at me. Goodnight Rose, Halloween Head, Halloween Head, you know, Scott already singled out. It's a <laughs> big, dumb, fun song that how can you not it's like? Great. Yeah, <laughs> it's great. It's great. Yeah. <laughs> Really big, dumb, fun rocker. That's you know, surprisingly good at that. I think the other one I'd also say is I like Pearls on a String quite a bit. Mm. This is one of the Great first film. ones where I don't have an, a deep passion for any of the stuff that he had put out. And I don't know, maybe it, it was just at the time that I no. encountered it. I, think, I was obsessed with In Rainbows or something like that. I, I think you're onto something, uh, Jeff, because this is not a bad album. It's not. Um, but I don't feel passion for it uh, either, by and large. Um, the, the songs are shorter. They have a little more commercial feel to them. And again, he's not going to sell a million copies, but he's trying to be a little more crowd-pleasing, so to speak, with some of these songs. And each song feels like it's a part of the past six or seven years of Ryan Adams' career. Uh, Goodnight Rose could have been off Cold Roses. Uh, Tears of Gold could have been off Jacksonville City Nights. Um, there are some really good high points everybody knows, which I know Nick loves. It might be the best song on there. These Girls, which is a throw-off from uh, another forgotten album called Destroyer uh, back around 2000. These Girls is a, is a very good song. A Halloween Head for a big, dumb riff and a rocker works really well. But I, I am right with you in that I don't necessarily feel a passion for any of the tracks really specifically outside everybody knows, and I don't feel a, an extreme passion for the album. It's a good Ryan Adams album, but I don't passionately hate it, and I don't think it's one of his best works. You know, it's funny. I actually am pretty passionate about a couple of these songs, um, and some of the same ones. Uh, I can't stand Halloween Head. Uh, <laughs> I feel like it doesn't make any sense. It's, well, you are passionate dumb, about it, but just not in the way that, big, that we were yeah. yeah, it's one of those, like, kind of not quite written songs um you know i love ripoff uh i love these girls uh you know two hearts isn't my cup of tea but it's a nicely put together song but i'll say the second and third tracks on this album again worth the price of admission uh two and everybody knows mm -hmm. uh are among his better songs uh i would say uh a top 15 of, of all of his songs you come to me sometimes when i'm thinking like a cannonball shooting out a
Um, I, I wish the whole album were that consistent, but look, even Pearls on a String, uh, this, this nice little acoustic country riff, uh, it's a simple song, it works perfectly. Um, so I, I actually like this. What's fascinating is some of these songs are, are even better with the Cardinals behind them when they play them live. Um, you know, uh, I think Everybody Knows is one of those songs I was talking about that feels half-written. Um, it's kind of like uh, one of the songs on Heartbreaker uh, we were talking about that we all, I think, uh, like a lot, uh, which is um, uh, Call Me On Your Way Back Home. It's a mm-hmm. song that doesn't yep. really have a third verse <laughs> or a bridge. Mm-hmm. It's got a little guitar interlude of chords. Um, and uh, what you find uh, is, is if he plays some of this stuff live, when he plays Everybody Knows, they stretch out that guitar interlude into a pedal steel solo and come back around with a chorus, and it turns that song from a 10 into an 11, like it goes to 11. It's, it's, it's powerful. But I will agree with you, you know, it, this is where the albums begin to feel a little uneven, and I think for this era of, uh, of Ryan, the more country era of Ryan, you can feel it starting to come apart here. Uh, yeah. b- before the album came out, J.P. Bowersock and Catherine Popper left the Cardinals, and Rod Adams has said Catherine Popper, he loved playing with Catherine Popper, and when, when she left, that was about the end of the Cardinals. And They, they, they made a few, couple, uh, about two more albums, but when Catherine Popper left, he felt that was, that was it. So after Easy Tiger, uh, there's an album called Cardinology, and if you uh, are trolling Ryan Adams' uh, fan boards or, or looking at rankings, Cardinology <laughs> is always punished by being put right at the bottom of the list or right near the bottom of the list i'm here to tell you you are all crazy wrong <laughs> cardinology uh I, I i seed at the start so you don't have to make the argument the back third is not stupendous <laughs> but the front half is so good i don't know what what people are not hearing here um, you still have some of that Dead Z co- uh, country uh, country rock, and you begin to hear a little bit of that 80s kind of alt-rock feel that would begin to seep in uh, in in the, in the most recent two albums with some of the tracks on, on, on Cardinology. I, Ryan Adams doesn't even like Cardinology much, and I'm, I'm telling you, he's wrong too. Born Into a Light, the first track on the album, is this great, is this great acoustic riff. Uplifting lyrics about faith? You don't hear that a lot in Ron Adams' tracks. Everything's going to work out. Everything's going to be okay. We were born into a light. Super. For everyone alone, I wish you faith and hope And all the strength to go To be your own best friend Have confidence and keep the faith Be patient, though the past is just a memory Uh, Go Easy, the Cardinals, I think, sound great on Go Easy. It's, it, that's a band track. The band sounds great uh, behind Ryan. Fix It is the is the single. I think he sings the heck out of that one. There's some voice strain, some voice crack at key moments of that song. I like that. Magic is Halloween Head Part 2, but I think Magic's better. I yep. love Magic. I, can't, I cannot 
not crank magic to 11, as Nick just said, when I'm in the car. Magic is fantastic. It is dumb fun. It's an air guitar song if you've ever heard one. You can't not play air guitar to that song. And, you know, what goes around comes around, call and response. The second verse feels like it's going to shimmy out of control with some of the the lyrics and and some of the delivery. Um, And then Cobwebs is very good. Let Us Down Easy with that call and response chorus again. The first half of Cardinology, I, I, you guys have to tell me, I don't know what people are missing from the first half of Cardinology, or am I crazy? I think, well, first of all, you, you are crazy, but not yes, because of this. Uh, <laughs> the, the problem with Cardinology is that it's impossible to get over this sort of depressing stink that the back half of it leaves in people's mouths. It, it, an album that starts weak and ends strong can often be praised as a sleeper by people. An album that starts strong and ends strong but is weak in the middle uh sometimes is ranked as an all-time great uh but an album that starts well and then ends terribly those are the ones that really come in for a pelting and this is a classic example of it i think that as you said magic and cobwebs is right in the middle the four number i think it's like the third and the fourth song or something like that fourth and fifth, fourth and fifth those yeah. are two the two best songs on the album in my opinion i'm not a fan of born into a light by the way i think magic is yeah it's nick and you have said just a big dumb fun guitar rocker feel like wayne campbell from wayne's world just going <laughs> like yeah i want to play guitar to that Cobwebs I like even more. Uh, of course, again, has this sort of that post-punk fa- sound to me. Uh, it is very much far away from the country feel. Uh, it, that's a really good sort of brooding, kind of jammy, slower song. Um, but man, the ending of this album, it just it's, it's like, you know, Nick talks about how sometimes Ryan Adams songs feel like he gave up writing them halfway through. <laughs> this album feels like he gave up the songs halfway through like he just ah, we'll put all the good stuff on the front and yeah forget about the rest that's how i feel about it and that's i think why a lot of fans hate it you know i, I would actually say if you to to, to 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 take that and go into cardinals three four that's kind of the point of cardinals three and four to me it's like it's the same album and it just got worse and worse and worse <laughs> cardinals three four is a double album that they could even listen, pick yes. But they couldn't even pick a name for it. It's just Cardinals 3 and Cardinals 4. Like, you can feel it just continue to slide away. I struggle to find uh, a song on the, what, 20 songs on this double album that I like. Mm-hmm. I would say Dear Candy uh, is the closest that I can come. The Crystal Skull is embarrassing. Um, <laughs> I was about like, to that. Yes. And, and the part of this is that's interesting to me is you know, we saw on Magic, or we hear on Magic, you know, kind of rock cardinals. And it's a great song, but it's kind of the outer limit of their ability to be like a hard rock band. Mm-hmm. And you get to Cardinals 3-4, and you feel like they're still trying yeah. uh, to be a harder rock band, and it just doesn't work. You lose the delicacy, the intertwined guitars, uh, the intertwined lead guitars, uh, the pedal steel. This just feels like a bunch of not so good b-sides that they make an album out of and i i was so disappointed i really wanted it to be good and you know as you guys know this is where the band 
is starting to come apart, and you can kind of hear it. It's just not a good album. Yeah, I'm not going to say anything on defense of three and four. Like I have heard it, you know, maybe three or four times in my entire life. I didn't even bother to re-listen to it when we, you know, started, you know, preparing for this. Um, and did anyone uh, want to say anything about uh, Orion or or just uh, well, I mean, point just out that this, Ryan Adams talking about loves how the hard metal. rock thing was falling apart for the yeah. band? It proved the outer limits of what they were able to do. Well, you want to see the real outer limits of what <laughs> Ryan Adams is able to do? Go listen to Orion. I am actually a big fan of, of speed metal, of death metal, of heavy metal, hard rock, which you would not expect from me, but I am. Um, this is not good. This does not capture the essence of it. This is what people talk about when they say musical cosplay for Ryan Adams. This is just really embarrassing. You know, he 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 tries to come up with these hard rock riffs, and uh, then he does his own sort of normal Ryan Adams singing over it, and it does not work. And Boy, I don't really think there's another thing we need to say about Orion. Don't listen to it, people. Don't That's listen okay. to it. That's okay by me. Uh, Political Beats, a presentation of National Review. iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn. NationalReview.com. New episodes on Mondays. Please listen. Share it with your friends and loved ones. Leave some reviews. Scott Bertram, Jeff Blair, Nick Confessori from uh, the New York Times talking about Ryan Adams. And this is nearly where the episode ends because... The last few albums of his career. Well, it, it's a near retirement here after uh, after Orion in 3-4. Before we get to Ashes and Fire, he had health problems, uh, uh, balance and, and hearing issues, got married to Mandy Moore, moved from New York to L.A. Um, you know, it wasn't really a near retirement. He said, I'm done. I'm, I'm done playing. Uh, maybe sometime in the I future we'll you, come back. Yes, I love how you compare uh, getting married to Mandy Moore as like a catastrophe <laughs> and moving from New York to L.A. as like a catastrophe, which is probably true in both cases. <laughs> 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 I, you know, I'm just projecting. It's hard to it's hard to say. Uh, uh, but he does he does come back. Ron Adams comes back with uh, an album called Ashes and Fire, first one since disbanding the Cardinals. They were done uh, previous to that. Uh, Ethan Johns produced Heartbreaker. His dad, Glenn Johns, comes in and produces Ashes and Fire, and it sounds like an album produced by Glenn Johns. It just does. Early '70s Dylan vibe. This is. This is in my stack of Saturday morning albums. Put in, clean the house, do whatever you want. It's got a, um, I don't want to say sleepy, uh, a serene vibe to it that carries through almost the whole album. I like it quite a bit. Uh, a Dirty Rain, the first track, is is really great. Um, Invisible Riverside might be my favorite. It's like this psychedelic blues. Ben Montench plays on this, the Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers uh, organist uh, keys man. It had some really nice flourishes to uh, Invisible Riverside. Couldn't read the signs. They were too confusing. Standing by the ocean. Autobiographical stuff here. Look, I mean, it's a lot about the the ashes, right? It's 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 uh, uh, Ryan Adams coming to terms with the health problems and all this stuff, and and trying to rebuild a bit. Um, Lucky now was the single, and you know I don't remember where we're young and wild. All that's faded into memory, and he asks, "Am I really who I was?" There's some introspection here on Ashes and Fire that you don't hear on previous Ryan Adams uh, albums. Um, this one's worth a listen. Like I said, it's on my Saturday morning uh, stack. Uh, so every now and then I pop it in while I'm while I'm picking up around the house, that sort of thing.
pleasant stuff. Uh, yeah. Nothing really jumps out at me, but that's not bad. This is your your soothing Ryan Adams. Yeah, right. Folk release to 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 do the dishes too. I agree. You know, it's funny. I actually think of this as sort of like uh, Beck's seat change. It feels hmm. it feels that way to me. Um, That's high praise. You know, <laughs> well, you know, it's not as monumental as Sea Change. Uh, sea Change was a major breakup album for me, and 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 like the emotional flavor of that breakup to me is the sound of Sea Change. I mean, hmm. it was that aligned. Right. But Ashes and Fire is a really like a melancholy album with just beautiful texture and some really sad songs. Um, I do. I wait. An invisible riverside. You got some of the country. You got some of the rock. It's not one of his best. It's a perfectly good, you know. It's a perfectly good album. It's got some nice hits on it. But I admit, I don't put this one on very often. Now, I have to say, the one I've listened to least in the entire Ryan and Adams discography is his self-titled album, and I feel like I may be missing something major with this. Somebody tell me, have I made a mistake, or am I doing all right? I think you made a mistake. I think you, you you have to listen to it. It's definitely among the most interesting departures for him. This is Ryan Adams really indulging his love for 80s rock. You can hear it in the guitars. You can hear it in the in the echo uh, pedals and the chorus pedals. Um, a lot of these songs are pretty quiet. Uh, there's one song that sounds like a, a quiet Bruce Springsteen song. But what's funny about it is it opens up, and again, this goes back to like Heartbreaker. This album opens up with a total full <laughs> throttle rocker. Mm-hmm. It just, right. you know, Give Me Something Good is a fantastic, hooky Ryan Adams rock song. And then pretty much most of the rest of the album is just kind of quiet. There's a couple of songs that go a little heavier. Um, I like it. I like Kim. I like Trouble. <laughs> Um, a wrecking ball is kind of a throwback to uh, Ashes and Fire, or even a throwback to Jacksonville City Nights. Um, I think it's a really cool album. Again, I, I, I don't listen to it a ton. But I was really intrigued to watch him try in a cohesive way to go in a different direction. It doesn't feel like a stunt album. It feels like a different facet of his personality as a musician. Yeah, this I'm not going to say you're missing a ton, I think, Jeff. I will say this is uh, this is a scene setter, I think, for Prisoner, which uh, you'll find in a second I, I, I rate pretty highly. Um, it's kind of like a wiping of the palate, and let's let's throw something new on there. So I don't love it, um, but there's some. Give me something good. The single uh, worked out pretty well. Ryan says uh, just straight on. Husker Du replacements. That's the kind of sound he was going for on this on this self-titled album. Um, well, you got my attention there. Yeah, right. That's that's why I mentioned it. Um, there was a, there was a scrapped album before Ryan Adams too. That was that was Don was played bass. Ethan Johns played guitar. Ben Montench was in that band. Mike Viola, who uh, has some pretty actually good albums in the in the. Uh, uh, 2000s that was scrapped they came out with ryan adams here's the thing though uh, songs like trouble and stay with me man it is so that 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 1981 pristine kind of sound here i'll give you three bands i think of when i listen to ryan adams and, and jeff maybe this will tell you good news bad news rick springfield 
No. Donny Iris. Mm-hmm. And Journey Circa Raised on Radio. Oh, no. That's what pops out to me when I hear Ryan Adams most often. Uh, and so I, I don't return to this one all that much, but I think it sets the scene for Prisoner, if that makes any sense. <laughs> well, I'm going to give it a try. Before we get to that, Prisoner is, is Ryan Adams' most recent album. It came out this year. I will make a very brief plea uh, for what most people regard as the cosmic joke of the Ryan Adams recording discography, <laughs> which is 1989. No, it's not Taylor Swift's 1989. It is a literal track-for-track re-recording of the record. Every single song redone, this time with Ryan Adams and his band. And listen, I get it. It's a novelty record, but it is actually surprisingly good. I will say this. Go listen to his cover of Bad Blood. Uh, what you a great know the song. Taylor Swift song. Uh, if you know Taylor Swift, I mean, if you know the radio, if you've had a pulse for the last 10 years, <laughs> you know Bad Blood. You've heard it everywhere. Listen to the way Ryan Adams recasts it as a Bruce Springsteen song. <clears throat> turns it into something off of Nebraska. Mm. It is remarkable, and to me, it's a really fun tribute to how well-written songs can stand on their own no matter what a milieu they are placed in, no matter how they are cast, no matter how they're written. And, of course, that's, I think, what Adams was trying to get at. He probably was, like, sitting around in his room playing his guitar, and he realized, hey, you know, these are actually, you know, formally speaking, pretty good songs. And he thought to himself, you know, People don't realize this. They probably just think it's pop schlock. And so he got in his head that he would just re-record the entire album. Not all of the songs are worth it because it's not a classic album in my opinion. Mm -hmm. But enough of them actually come off really well to actually make it worth your time. Oh, um, yeah. I mean, if you, if, uh, you know, if you like Taylor Swift, this is actually a great tribute to her. She's actually a great songwriter. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a fan of hers and her albums. Uh, you listen to, to Bad Blood. I agree. That's a great song style the way he does style is great but the yep. most innovative thing on here is shake it off yes um he he turns shake it off from uh this exuberant dance song into again as you were saying a bruce springsteen nebraska song he turns it it's into a dirt he turns it into a straight dirt he, he totally switches it and flips it and it's beautiful it's beautiful both ways um and taylor's song was amazing in its way and it was you know doesn't have a lot of kind of instruments on it right it's drums and horns it's a great song but then 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 adams comes along and turns it into something totally different As I said, novelty though it may be, it is actually <laughs> worth your listen. You can find it on YouTube. All the songs are available on YouTube. You don't have to go pay money for it if you're skeptical. <laughs> Give it a shot though. It's kind of interesting. This, of course, brings us to the last album. We actually made it. We made it, guys. We made it to the end of the Brian Adams. Ryan Adams. Wait, wait, wait. I, just, I, I got a tweet. Half there's, later. there's a new album that just dropped today. No, I'm, no! <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> That's uh, like, I don't even know if you're kidding. That's I right. It could be real. Possible. 
But anyway, the uh, prisoner. What do you guys think of prisoner? Yeah. So I guess let me. I'll take it because I had mentioned Ryan Adams was kind of the scene setter for prisoner, and and I think sonically it is. This is his most sonically interesting album in years. Um, you know, Ryan Adams kind of has this this the same thing throughout the the album. Uh, Ashes and Fire kind of has the same thing through the album. Even go back to Cardinology, but so this might go back to Easy Tiger or something. It's sonically interesting. There are some some uh, production choices, and Ryan's producing his own you know, his own albums these days. So these are his choices as to how it's recorded. Um, but I, I think it so- it sounds good. It sounds interesting. This is another well, breakup album. The uh, Marriage to Mandy Moore, which uh, was referenced earlier, uh, is no more. And so these songs influenced by by that breakup. Do you still love me? To me, it sounds like a rewrite of Gimme Something Good, but again, I think it's better. Uh, Ryan Adams kind of set the tone, and Do You Still Love Me took Gimme Something Good and made it a little better. Um, there are some nice tracks. Uh, Doomsday and Haunted House both have this this, this flat uh, drum sound, uh, which, which again is different from what, what, what he's kind of put forward in the past. To Be Without You is a key track, something that maybe would have fit even back on, on uh, Cold Roses. So hard to be without Outbound Train, very nice. Uh, anything uh, I Say to You Now, uh, to me, I just listened to the Smiths all last week, so they're fresh in my mind. Anything I Say to You Now sounds very much like a Smiths tribute, and there are a lot of those in Ryan's career. But, you know, Johnny Marr riffs and Morrissey-type vocals, that's what that sounds like to me. The whole album, you know, kind of harkens back to, like, Springsteen's Tunnel of Love. There's a lot of that kind of uh, sound on, on Prisoner. I, I think it's his strongest album in, in, in quite a long time. Yeah, I think this is a great album. I think this is an album that actually makes me think, yeah, he's still got some gas left in the mm-hmm. tank. The right. way I kind of yeah. felt like when In Rainbows came out, I thought Radiohead was sort of declining and kind of going into their sad dotage, and then bam, that was their best record. I was like, whoa, this is a comeback, a legitimate comeback. I think To Be Without You, you singled out. That is my favorite song on this album. I think almost every song on this record is great. I am surprisingly impressed in it. You know what impresses me the most is that he had – God bless him. He finally had the common sense to make it a short album. It's only 42 <laughs> minutes long. And then he released an entire entire extra disc of 19 B-sides, most of which aren't that good. And in an alternate universe, he would have put onto the record and diluted its strength. Thank God someone talked him into leaving them off. It, it shows that maybe, maybe he's learning finally to actually edit himself. But yeah, Prisoner is a really heartening sign. It's, it's a real kind of uptick late in his career. And uh, boy, it makes me really eager to see what comes next. Nick? I mean, Jeff, if you listen to the or, or, or read the track listing for the Prisoner B-sides, it's like the most depressing list of songs anyone has ever come up with. <laughs> It goes, Where will you, are you run? Home? Are you home? No words. It will never what be the same. What if we're wrong? I, I keep remembering broken like broken things. things crazy now. Like you said, too tired to cry. This is depressing. I mean, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm kind of glad he left some of them off. Look, I, I almost think of Prisoner as like, um, as a self-titled album times two. Hmm. Uh, I love Do You Still Love Me. Yeah. You know, again, he's opening with a big rock song. If he would give me an album of ten 
Do You Still Love Me? I would be so happy. I just want <laughs> 10 songs this good. You try and listen to that song before the drum comes in and keep time. Yeah. It's actually almost impossible. Yep. It always moves a bit more slowly and rocks a little more slowly than you think it's going to. It's incredibly effective. I've been thinking about you, baby, but on my mind. Why can't I feel your love? Heart What can I say? I didn't want it to change. It's got shiver and shake again. It's a Bruce Springsteen song. Um, right. Amazing. I, you know, I like Bruce. I'm not a huge fan. My father-in-law is a super fan. He hates when I say that. But, you know, Shiver and Shake is a Bruce Springsteen <laughs> song I yeah. could get behind. Uh, so I'm glad. I was glad to see this album. Uh, my only problem with this era of Ryan, and I hate to say this, his backing band on these two albums, not that great. Hmm. I've seen They're them live. Not as good as the Cardinals. No, I not agree. Not as good as the Cardinals. They, they aren't that tight. On the, on the tour for Prisoner, they were much improved over the previous album. A lot tighter, a lot more energy. But I do, I do miss the power of the Cardinals behind this guy. Oh, will everybody take a deep breath? Yes. We finally made it. All right, now it's time for the big finale, and this is going to be hard. Scott, let us in. Usually the guest goes through. I can go first. Usually we, we no, no, and... no. I mean, we're going to explain this for for people okay. listening. We do this thing where we we generally name. Oh, you want? Oh, you the, want me to do? Oh, I the, the the two yes. key albums <laughs> and five key songs from the artists that we're covering on this show. And for a guy who's released as many albums and as many songs as Ryan Adams, this is a brutal act of triage. We're sending a lot of people who otherwise could survive. Uh, you know, into the third tent where we're going to leave them uh, to die when we shouldn't have. Yeah. They put out a lot of great music. Nick, we're going to go to you first. Your two key albums and five key songs. Two key albums is actually pretty easy. The songs are harder. The two key albums have to be Heartbreaker and Cold Roses. If you want the essence of what Ryan has been for most of his career, I say those two albums. Five songs, I've gone over this over and over again. The first couple are, are gimmies for me. You got Magnolia Mountain. You have Oh My Sweet Carolina. You have Dear John. And then I'm going to throw in Everybody Knows, which mm -hmm. I still think of as one of his best songs, mm -hmm. and 16 Days from the Whiskey Town era. Ah. Again, I, I love that song. Yeah. It, it, it echoes in my head like a lyric from Ryan Adams that I'm <laughs> not going to repeat. Um, it's just a great song. It gets you back to that early country. Those are my five. Uh, all right, so uh, I absolutely will tell you, uh, Heartbreaker. Um, again, I, I cannot be rational about that album. It's just—it's one of my favorites of all time, and it—it it, it has been with me for so long now, and seventeen years, I guess. Um, soundtrack to life, soundtrack to life, and uh, the songs there—I mean, I don't—it's somewhat personal, but at the same time, it's a drop-dead fantastic album uh and start to finish it is um and, and those themes just just rattle through the whole way come pick me up is is uh yeah again worth the price of admission went back and forth a lot on number two i want to take something that's representative do i want to go to a different era what do i want to do here and what i came down to i'm just i gotta tell you just that because he's all over the place in terms of, of of albums and what the themes are and what the sound is. i'll just give it the two best jacksonville city nights i think is the second best album of ryan adams solo career don't be scared off by the cover if you don't love uh, country or, yeah, if you don't love country music. I mean, this is just a great song full of great uh, lyrics, 
uh, and uh, in, in songwriting, and you'll love Jacksonville City Nights. Songs, one, Come Pick Me Up from, uh, from Heartbreaker, just a tremendous, tremendous song. Uh, Please Do Not Let Me Go from Love Is Hell. Again, from that disc, uh, from that second disc, I think it's one of the best, best songs that Ryan Adams done that no one really mentions. Please do not let me go. From Cold Roses, "Let It Ride" is a fantastic track. That kind of, you know, the melody and and the shuffle to it takes you down the Cumberland River, so to speak. Uh, from Jacksonville City Nights, uh, Nick gave you, uh, 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 dear John. I think the hardest part is also just knockout. Great song from Jacksonville City Nights. So check out the hardest part. And this last one, I go back and forth a little bit on, and what I finally decided is uh, uh, some of those, my tracks are a little slow. Rosalie Come and Go from Gold from that side four, the bonus disc, and you can find it out there. I think Rosalie Come and Go might be my favorite rock, rockin' Ryan Adams tune with big guitar solo and a harmonica solo and this great intro. Rosalie Come and Go is well worth uh, tracking down if you don't have the, the entire gold as of yet. There you go. Jeff, it's up to you. All right. So Scott may not be able to be rational about Heartbreaker, but I am. I am perfectly capable of being rational about Heartbreaker. And my rational opinion is that it is Ryan Adams' greatest album. And it is definitely one of the two ones that I would recommend to you. The other one, uh, which I'm, I, I can almost hear Nick spitting right now, uh, is Love is Hell, which I think is his <laughs> other. Oh, man. Is, <laughs> Yeah, geez, you can just hear the sound of the loogie being hocked. So now he is going to hang but, up. Uh, but uh, yes, I think it's his great, his, his other you, great sir. album. What are you saying, Nick? Good day to you, sir. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, it is it is a complete change of pace. It's also a little different from the ones that the other you other two have mentioned. It is his his most non-country album, his most sort of European Brit pop or. Um, post-punk maybe influenced album very folk based uh very mopey very dark but i think you know just consistent through and through uh despite what these two mooks say you don't want to listen to them listen to me um i i'm right i will throw in an honorable mention to jacksonville city nights as well geez yes scott said don't avoid this because you think it's a country album it's so good it's just so such a beautiful record and it's probably ryan adams best series of lyrics uh, there's nothing shallow about the mu- about the writing, uh, the, the lyrics, or the music on that record. My five songs. Um, you got to pick one thing from Heartbreaker. Boy, it's it's like you're choosing your favorite child. But I'll take My Winding Wheel, which I think is is like a standard that was. I'm, it's almost hard for me to believe it was written. It feels like it was a folk tune that's been covered by hundreds of people. But mm-hmm. he came up with it, and I'm really impressed. Uh, New York, New York from Gold. Uh, as I told you guys at the beginning, it was my intro to Ryan Adams. Uh, still remains with me, a, a song that will make me feel great anytime I hear it. Uh, in terms of pure rock, Ryan, so alive. My God, so alive. It makes me feel so alive. It is uh, mindless, big, dumb pop hooks, but the best sort, um, the best moment on rock and roll, and probably his best rock move in my opinion. From uh, Love is Hell, I'll take Afraid Not Scared. 
Uh, you could pick a lot of other songs. Uh, this House is Not for Sale would be another good one. Um, but there are just uh, very few things I love more than the buildup and the tension in Afraid Not Scared that it genuinely feels cathartic. And then finally, I guess I'll say from Cold Roses, Meadow Lake Street, uh, which is probably one of the less characteristic songs on Cold Roses, but which I appreciate for being just a masterpiece of arrangement uh, and for, for putting, uh, structuring a song to create real excitement and interest where you think it's going to become one thing. You think it's going to be sort of a, an acoustic ballad, a sort of almost a repetitive dirge, and then it, it slowly unfolds itself like a beautiful flower into this magnificent rock song. If I had to throw in an honorable mention, I'd say Trains from Jacksonville City Nights, uh, precisely because it's just a very fun, tossed-off song that works in every respect. Guys, Brian Adams has a discography that is as vast as this country itself it's enormous <laughs> it's worth exploring you know start at any point in this pool you don't have to get it all at once but give it a chance this artist is worth it and he's still making valid really really vig invigorating music right up into the present day and uh well except for orion um it, it's an artist <laughs> it's an artist that i will always grab the new album no no questions asked um basically and there's not there's not a lot of them still out there i think <laughs> on my list but i'm always always going to grab uh the new ryan adams album that's just the way it goes yeah all right that's been a, that was a blast. Uh, Political Beats, uh, thanks to our guest, Nick Confessori from the New York Times. You can find him on Twitter, at Nick Confessori. Uh, also, his work in the New York Times Magazine, MSNBC contributor, and as we now know, Ryan Adams' lover. Nick, thank you so much for joining Political Beats. Oh, my pleasure, guys. And, uh, Jeff, we're taking a week off, our first one next week for, uh, for Thanksgiving, if people are listening to these chronologically, I suppose. But we'll be back very soon with more music and more guests. Whoa! <laughs> follow <laughs> Jeff on Twitter, at EsotericCD. My name is Scott Bertram. You can follow me on Twitter, at Scott Bertram. Again, this has been a presentation of National Review. Subscribe to our feed. New episodes on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, or right there at nationalreview.com. Click on podcasts to find more. Listen, share, leave reviews, please. This has been Political Beats. Political Beats.